Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Very, very glad you're here. Hello, Sarah. Welcome home. Hello. Yes, I was just camping and also staying in a hotel in the Sierra Nevadas. Then we went through San Luis Obispo. And when you say we, there is a person today who is rather a woman of mystery to me, which I'm really, <laughs> I'm stoked to be able to have more conversation with her. You know, there's some people that you know that you have an entirely too much information about them. You're filled with everything you know about them. But this woman, who you went camping with, yes. I don't know nearly enough about her. So I'm, I'm stoked. And it's one of the best things about this show that we get cool people to come and hang out with us for a half hour or so. Yes, so today we have our friend, Destiny. Hey, guys. And to Marchi. Close. Uh, very close. <laughs> Can you close. say it for us? So in America, we would say Antomarchi. If we were in Italy, it would be Antomarchi. Matt can say it really well. He said it. That's yeah, correct. Matt says yes, it very it's well. Ante Marchi. Awesome. So we were camping in the Sierra Nevadas, and it was... What, what did you think of the trip overall? You know, time? I was sick half of the trip, <laughs> so not the highlight, but we had some fun memories, Yes, to say the least. I think one of my favorites was the bear who mm -hmm. loved us so much, kept visiting us and throwing our cooler around. Yeah, he was on the keto. You, you are sure. the keto diet. <laughs> he ate yeah. all the bacon. All the cheese, mm -hmm. and he left all the fruits and veg. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think he stole like one apple or something, but he came to For camp. Good measure. Or she, we don't know which, three or four times, including before it got dark. Is that why you moved into a hotel? No. <laughs> that was, it was a, a good excuse. <laughs> it was a very justifiable excuse to move into a hotel. Yeah. Also, the bear touched my car, spit yes. on my car, sniffed it, and put their paw on it. So <laughs> it, it wanted to make sure that it said goodbye to all of our vehicles <laughs> before we left. Lots of memories to share. Yeah, so we brought Destiny on. Destiny and I are good friends. We're also in the same home group together, and Kevin's friends with Destiny as well. Yes, she turned down a tremendous job offer because she was <laughs> incredibly overqualified for it. <laughs> you offered her a job? I was going to make a job for her, but she is gainfully employed in something that brings her a lot of satisfaction, so <laughs> right. couldn't get her. So, Destiny, tell us about your work. Absolutely. So, currently, I work as an executive chef for a specialty coffee and food company. Has several locations in San Diego, also in LA, and so I oversee the food program. I'm responsible for training, hiring, interviewing, working with people helping people grow in their leadership, um, quality assurance, coming up with new menu items, making sure that everybody's doing their job properly and effectively. So lots of different hats, but I really enjoy it thoroughly. So as part of that, you made one of my favorite breakfast sandwiches in the world. So go to Copa Vida and check that out because they're amazing. And Destiny does amazing work with them. Before that, you were a missionary with YWAM in Perth, Australia for five years? Just shy of four and a half. Okay, yeah. cool. We're like the same age. Just tell us a little bit about your testimony. I did grow up in the church. My father, when I was very young, was a pastor and then slowly transitioned out of that and was in sales. And so at a very young age, I was aware of God and understood who God was, but I didn't have a relationship with God, I would say, until I went to college 
And I went to college in Miami at this culinary school. And I remember walking through the cafeteria and seeing a little tiny poster paper that said, Bible study, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. And something about that was really compelling to me. And so I decided to go and it was there. Jesus became real to me. I really started to understand what it meant to have a relationship with God. And from there, me and my friends ended up starting a local Christian organization on our campus. We would take shuttles of students to a local church. We were leading Bible study. We were sharing the gospel in cafeteria. I led one of my teachers to the Lord. So it was a really great experience. And I think it really catapulted me into wanting to know God on a deeper level. And so from there, I remember posting on Facebook. I was like, I really want to do like a short-term mission trip, but I have no idea what's out there. (laughs) And I just remember posting, if anybody knows of anything, let me know. An old nanny of mine from years ago when I was in the church reached out and she's like, oh, you should check out YWAM. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, but okay, cool, I'll do it. (laughs) So I Google searched YWAM and I had always wanted to go to Australia. One click led to another click and I was on this website for YWAM Perth in Western Australia. And as soon as I saw it, that was probably the first moment where I can recognize that I heard God's voice. Like that was actually a a thing to me. And I just remember being like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do. So in my mind, it was going to be a six month stint. I was going to come back and I was going to be the best chef in the world and have my own (laughs) food network show. And that six months ended up being over four years. That is really where I grew in discipleship and evangelism and learning how to share my faith in many different ways. I also was able to uh, help open a cafe in the city. That's when I I really learned how to share my faith on a really practical level and how that became a, a lifestyle. And then transitioning to San Diego. Been here now for just over a year and a half and really blessed with uh, the doors that God has opened and the community that he's given me. It's been a huge blessing to be here now. Interesting to me about you've had training, but it seems to me, number one, you took our quiz on sent315.org and turns out you're relational. Mm-hmm. But besides the training that you received, there seems to be a very natural aspect to how you share Jesus with other people. Can you help other relational people that are listening to what you do when you're sharing Jesus with folks? I really love to first get to know people so I understand where they're at. Just asking people questions about their life, finding connection points. I think it really builds a sense of comfortability and trust with people when you can connect and relate to them about something. And I guess just also just kind of being aware of where the Holy Spirit is leading, being really sensitive to that. I think that's how I'm able to connect the gospel in. So whether that's a a slow progression or whether that's an immediate thing, I think it just really is dependent on the individual and where they're at and your relationship with them. Because I don't necessarily meet somebody and be like, all right, let me share the gospel with you right now. (laughs) I mean, that has happened. I have done that before. Yeah. But I think long-term relationships, it's, I don't know, there's so many times even at work where, you know, something happens to somebody, their best friend's father dies or, you know, something happens that's very tragic. And I will go up to them like, hey, I'm I'm praying for you. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Can I, I'm going to pray for you, you know? So even just being sensitive to that and taking opportunity where you see it and just being aware of the different things that are going on in people's life and how to kind of interweave that with the gospel and sharing my faith. Just really caring, genuinely, and people can see if you're really caring or you have some sort of agenda. It's very different when you're a missionary in Australia with youth with a mission and being in an executive position with a company. So if, if you've found that you have to navigate that a little bit differently... Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that everybody is not Christian. So there's a level of accountability that is very different 
where when you're discipling people that are followers of Jesus, yeah, you have more accountability to kind of bring correction or to encourage them or to share certain things from a biblical perspective outwardly. Whereas when you're relating to people, especially during conflict, because I mean, it's it's not uncommon for me to have to sit down with employees and say, this is what we're seeing. And these are some things that we, we actually need you to change in, in order for you to continue to work in this particular location. My experience in Australia and my experience working as an executive chef, the way that I relate to people is similar, but I think the verbiage and the way that I would execute the conversation would be a little bit different. You're still being relational, you're still getting to know the person, but there's certain things that you can't hold them accountable for. You have to have I think even more grace for them in certain cases because they don't know God. They don't have that relationship with him. And so you can't expect certain things from people like, okay, I need you to repent now or <laughs> all right, I need you to be more compassionate or I need you to ask for forgiveness or, you know, you can't expect those things from people. You can hope for those things and you can pray for those things, but you can't have those expectations on people that don't actually know Jesus. As Christians, sometimes we fall into the trap of holding people to a biblical standard who have never even looked at a Bible at all. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, we all should be decent human beings. Mm -hmm. So those types of things that we might consider to be the fruit of the Spirit, they should be evident in people's lives and in the workplace too, because we want it to be human and humane, and it just creates an entirely different work environment if we treat each other wonderfully. Yeah, I think that's good. I'd love for you to expand a little more. So you talked about when it comes to correction and mm -hmm. stuff, but in a leadership role, um, you mentioned when we kind of talked beforehand a little bit yeah. that there's still some boundaries, even with the praying for people or sharing your faith, just because you are in that kind of hierarchy type of thing. What does that look like for you navigating those boundaries? As I previously mentioned, when it comes to whether you know, because it's happened where um, people have said, yeah, like I just had a family member pass away or almost tried to commit suicide. That that actually was a conversation that I had with somebody. Mm. Or my nephew just drowned last week. And these are real things that people are going through. I think in those immediate moments, I think it's very reasonable to say, hey, I'm I'm going to be praying for you or I'm, I'm praying for you. Whenever I have said that, people are filled with gratitude, greatly appreciative of that. Now, if I'm working on the line cooking, I'm not like, all right, so let me share my testimony with you. Let me <laughs> let me just start talking to you about Jesus and having these in-depth conversations with you about this. And I will say this, I did have that one time with a guy on the line, but it's because he kept asking me a ton of questions. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, you, you're asking me all these questions. I'm happy to share about God with you and the gospel. So that was a cool moment. But I think for the most part, I allow the person to kind of open up. And as they share with me, then it gives me opportunity to respond. I think as well, just a good boundary is just inviting people, that whole kind of come and see mentality of, hey, what are you doing Thursday night? You want to come have dinner with me and some friends? It really makes it digestible for somebody. So if, you know, if they are afraid of church or if they're hesitant about that, come hang out with me and some of my friends and have dinner. That's a lot more approachable than you want to go to Bible study or, hey, do you want to go to church with me? Just creating different avenues people can relate to and giving people opportunity to explore what faith is outside of the context of work, I think is a really good place to start. And I think is something that I've been intentional with and in, in trying to reach out to people in the workplace. It takes a little more work. You know, you're actually inviting somebody into your life and you're sharing life with them rather than a church event, a little more giving of yourself. But boy, I'll tell you, if Christians did that, and it can be a variety of ways, you know, I've done it with training, like 
with running or swimming or something like that, cycling. It's just a piece of my life that I already do. So let me open it up to somebody else who has a similar thing. They like to do it too, or maybe they think they do. And then they just do it once because it's not all that enjoyable to them. But, you know, you and your friends putting up that community, what a great door to sacrifice a little bit of your privacy and a little bit of your time. It just sounds like Jesus. It really does. The people that you have brought to home group, it's been really fun and awesome getting to know them. I think that helps too is when you have a group of people who are welcoming, which I think our home group is pretty good at that. Yeah. Like we have a solid group and we welcome people in. And so taking someone to that space where you know they're going to be welcomed, that's helpful. Yeah. Imagine if we aren't welcoming if we're just little clicks and stuff like that. And I've heard that. Everybody's got a, a background with each other and everybody's using a language that I can't understand and not feeling welcomed. That's something we really have to examine in our life and saying, hey, are we opening up a piece of our life like people did for us? So that's a challenge on that one. Yeah, I think it's cool. So you have this you know, background of being in a, not necessarily a Christian bubble, but like an all Christian environment. And now you're in a mostly secular environment. And you talked about not holding people to the same standards of Christian. I think sometimes that can be really hard for Christians being in a secular environment and they're dreaming of the perfect Christian environment (laughs) or type of thing. And they can sometimes miss opportunities being in that space. How do you keep your mind and your heart in the right place in that? Because you've had both, you know, the difference and the pros and cons. Yeah, it's super important. I think whenever I've had people that have been really challenging. I'm just like, okay, Lord, I just, I need you to help me with this person. I need you to give me grace for this person. Help me see this person the way that you see them. And so I think prayer is very important when it comes to especially dealing with people that maybe are a little bit more challenging in the workplace. There's a level of grace that I have for people because I know they don't believe. It kind of goes along with like, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. It's just this reality of they're actually not held to the same accountability. There has to be a level of grace and understanding that if I correct them on this or if I say, hey, these are things that we need to work on together and they say, no, I'm fine, you know, or no, I don't need to do that. And they walk out and will quit, which, you know, which actually does happen. (laughs) I need to be okay with that and recognize while that's hard and it's frustrating because I want them to get it and I want them to grow and I want them to be the best that they can be in the workplace and outside of that and and know God, I, I can't control that. And so I need to commit that to God and I need to pray and I need to have grace for them. One of the things that I always, I say to people that I'm discipling and follow is you have to be uncomfortable in order to grow. Uncomfortability leads to growth. And so even in your leadership, when you're faced with people that are really challenging, that's great because that's just going to help your character. That's going to help you grow as a leader. That's going to allow you to help people in those situations who don't know God. So that's kind of the mentality that I have with it. You know, starting from a place where you're for people, that it's not a battle against the culture. It's not this, these are the heathen and all of that condescension that can come from that attitude. Just literally being for people and how can I help this person grow? And it might not be a conversation about faith, religion, or anything like that, but how do I help them? How do I invest in them, especially when you're in a leadership position? That's just wins. Mm -hmm. Sarah and I were talking about a conversation you two had, and she said that you're very conscious of a thing called the Ingle 
full scale. And so we haven't really dug into that. And John Wimber kind of dreamed this up a long time ago. And it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. There are some times where something supernaturally happens. And so that is some, many times it's the exception to the rule. But the Engel scale is about a process that we play a role in, right? So people who are listening, who, who don't think they're doing enough and sharing their faith, and they're not seeing all these people line up that give their life to Jesus, but you're supposed to play your part. So why don't you explain your understanding of the Engel scale and, and how you're conscious of that sometimes when you're in conversation? On a very subconscious level, I think basically the way I interpret the Engel scale is from a scale of one to 10, how far away or how close somebody is to wanting to receive the gospel or receive salvation. Let's say I'm in a conversation with somebody and immediately they mention church or they start talking about something related to the Bible. In my mind, I kind of filter through and be like, okay, so there's some understanding of God. Okay, so if I start talking about Jesus, right, this is the dialogue going on in my head. Okay, so I can, oh yeah, like I can invite them to church. This is cool. Or, but let's say on the opposite end of that, they're like, oh man, I hate Chick-fil-A because they're, <laughs> they stand for this, 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 or this, which again has been conversation that I've heard at work. I think just kind of through conversation, through dialogue with people, through getting to know people, through certain things that they say and don't say, it, it creates this kind of scale in my mind of where they're at and how can I help move them towards wanting to get to know God more. And so for me, I think in those kind of different situations, for one person maybe who is just very opposed to the gospel, okay, I want to reflect Jesus yes. in my character, in my communication, in the way that I treat this person as much as possible. And I still want them to understand and know that I'm a Christian, but my character and my actions and the way that I live my life, I'm in hope and I'm in faith that that's going to lead them closer to God versus somebody maybe who was with the church and then maybe stepped yeah. away. Maybe for them, it's you know really encouraging them to get back into the church, kind of helping them talk through things or inviting them back in. And so it's really meeting people where they're at and helping kind of move them forward in their journey with God. Yeah, listening and finding out where, where people are at. Yeah. It's not real complicated. It's really interesting just you talking about that. I've shared before on the show that I do junior high group and we had a girl who was newer to church come in and even as I was speaking, changed the way I was communicating things just because I knew kind of more where she was at. She was asking me questions about the Bible. She was like, I know what the Bible is, but I've never read it. Is that okay? And like, yeah, that's fine. And it was yeah. funny. One of the girls like whispered to her, do you know who Jesus is? And she kind of looked at her. And she's like, yeah, I know who Jesus is. <laughs> but I realized I had to provide more background to the things that I was sharing about because I couldn't mm. just assume that they knew it because this girl was staring at me and she was really eyeing me. You know, it's one of her first church experiences and hearing me talk about Jesus being the Messiah and I was talking about Peter. And so I think it plays into that recognizing who you're talking to, seeing where they're at and being very mindful how you're communicating, how you're walking. And um, I loved what you said about being uncomfortable and that can be uncomfortable like just trying to figure out where someone's at and having to change yourself not expecting them to change but altering yourself on the surface not the core <laughs> of who you are but you mentioned when we were talking about inconvenient moments yeah and i'd love for you just to expand on that yeah when i was in australia i remember there was a, a sermon that was given and just highlighted to me that most of jesus's ministry if you go through the gospel 
gospels when he was healing people or sharing different things they were inconvenient moments they were most of them were very inconvenient you know and what i have come to the realization of is whenever god gives me opportunities to share my faith or to do things whether it's praying for people or sharing the gospel generally it's probably going to be an inconvenient moment and so even like a few weeks ago i was getting gas at the gas station on my way to work this guy came up to me and he's like hey do you have any money i was like no i don't have any money but i can get you some food we went to the gas station i'm talking with him like hey where are you from and what's your name and all this stuff and he's talking to me about this and this and this and how he lost his job and so in that moment was that a convenient moment no, it wasn't a convenient moment. I was on my way to work, but I had the opportunity to pray for him. He was super open with me. He shared with me about his life. The more that we can embrace inconvenience, I think it's the opportunity to be like Jesus because that's what Jesus did. He was constantly ministering to people in inconvenient moments. The cross being the ultimate inconvenient moment, a life of sacrifice and service. Destiny, I, I want to know from you, what are some things that have helped you or you've seen help other Christians really shift into a life of sharing Jesus? One of the prayers that I am constantly praying is, Lord, help me love you. Help me to love you and to love people. I think if we don't have a relationship and love for the Lord, how are we able to love other people and to be able to recognize the love that he has for us? And so I think one of the prayers that I will constantly be praying is, is Lord, like, show me your love. Help me to love you more. Help me to love other people more. Help me to understand your love because I can't love people fully in the way that I could if I don't understand the love and the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God for myself in that way. Just understanding what love is is so important because it is such an important aspect of our faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. It's such a powerful thing. You know, we don't love in, in word that we love with action and in truth and just recognizing the implications of consistency and character and showing people you care about them and that you love them. There's been so many people that know so much about God and they're so intellectual and that is a beautiful thing. But if we don't have love, right, it's kind of worthless. It's meaningless in, in a sense. So I think the importance of really actively loving people and just knowing how much God loves them out of an overflow of that love, you'll be able to love other people. It's beautiful and it's really convicting. If we look at our life and see how inconvenienced we're allowing ourselves to be, then what does that say about the depth of our love for the Lord? playing it out. He says, if you don't love them, you don't really love me. That's how you love me. You love them, like I'm asking you. Yeah. Man, oh man. Just to start to wrap us up, yeah. we would love to know, and I'm sure our listeners would, because we're going to be better about sharing our fails. That'll be a long show. <laughs> What is a fail in sharing your faith that you've had? Okay, this is a funny one. Is it about a bear? No bears. <laughs> Back in a few years ago, I don't even remember the year. Uh, I was in Nepal. I was taking a team over there and we were doing like health seminars and sharing the gospel. And all the students that I was with were very new to sharing their faith. And so it was all very new to them and they were kind of nervous about it. And so as the person leading the group, I was like, okay, you know what? First time that we're doing an, this thing called an open air, which is basically where you do a few skits, you gather people together, you have an interpreter and you share some testimonies and you share the gospel. And I'd done them many times before. And so I felt really confident <laughs> about it and was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna do this. The, the group's gonna be really, you know, after this, they're gonna feel really pumped and excited and we're gonna pray for people 
people and this is going to be great. And so we get to this tiny village in the middle of nowhere in Nepal, predominantly Muslim area, which is not super common for Nepal. There's not too many places that are predominantly Muslim. And so I get on this tiny little concrete stage and we've got this microphone set up for me and my translator Bakat's there standing next to me. And we've got about a, at least 100 people that are like wondering what all of these foreigners <laughs> are doing in their random village in the middle of nowhere. And so I get up and we do some opening acts and we get people's attention and I start sharing the gospel and I'm passionate and I'm talking with my hands and I'm saying, Jesus loves you and he died for you. And Etc. Etc. And as I'm sharing, I'm looking at these people's faces and they look mad. They look genuinely mad. And after I'm finished, I start to realize that they're actually booing us. They want us to leave. Like they're angry. And I immediately was like, oh no, these poor students are going to never <laughs> want to share their faith ever again after this. And so we get immediately escorted back into our car. I didn't even know what was going on, but from one moment to the next, everything just stopped and we just picked up all our stuff and we just rushed to the car and we're like leaving the car and I'm like, what What happened? What's going on? I'm like talking to the translator. He's like, oh yes, you know, we need to leave. Um, We could potentially be in, in danger. And I'm like, oh wow, okay, great. And so not only did they boo us, but we could have potentially been killed by this group of people in the middle of nowhere. And so that was definitely a fail. <laughs> and sharing, sharing the gospel. But one of the really cool things about that, while that was a fail, the rest of the trip was the amount of healings and salvations and people getting baptized that was seen after that was so life-changing. So it was definitely a, a discouraging moment and I definitely felt like a huge failure, especially I just felt really bad for the team because I thought that things were gonna be great and they were gonna be <laughs> super excited to share their faith after that. But it was a very humbling experience. I'm just thankful that I did not allow that one experience of failure to dictate the opportunity to share about Jesus in the future. Sarah, I'm glad you brought it up because it's so important that when you hear someone like Destiny, when somebody's been all over the world sharing their faith and they understand all of that, that even they have fails so that the people that are listening, hey, you're going to blow it, pick yourself back up and go after it again because he can use our failures. Who knows what happened there? That's so good. I love that. You know, it's so hard to cut these short, but uh, here's a little taste. You've learned a lot about being relational and listening to people and finding out where they are, not letting failures kill you and being real, real intentional. So there's a lot to take away from this. I'm glad you were here with us today, Destiny. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. The biggest takeaways is be relational, meet people where they're at, take the time to see where they're at, get uncomfortable and embrace those inconvenient moments, yeah. which I know I need to do better at because I Me missed too. a few in the last week. Yeah. Well, on top of everything else, everybody knows, just remember that you are sent. <laughs>